Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Welcome back, everyone, to Wrestling Inc.'s uh, watch-alongs. We're, right now, we're watching probably, and you can make a real argument, that this is the biggest wrestling event in American history right here. This is the main event, the first one, the primetime special WWF had in on February 5th, 1988. And if you just go by pure viewership, this is the biggest event WWF ever produced, biggest event in, in North American wrestling history when it comes to total viewers. 33 million viewers watch this show. Raj, this is probably the big. You can make a real case that this is the biggest event ever in American history. Uh, yeah, and probably worldwide history. Uh, we'll have to see that there are disputed numbers now. We were talking about the destroy on Ricky Dozan. The numbers I'm saying was it was 19 million people that actually watched the match if you did a, a conversion from the ratings to, and that the 70 plus million is a urban legend. So, um, We'll have to see, but it's either it's definitely the most watched uh, in U.S. history, and probably the most you know. Mm-hmm. I think it's a good chance of this by a, by a wide margin in U.S. history. I mean, we were talking like I think what were the previous Saturday Night's main events that we were watching? Those were like maybe ranging between ten and twenty million. I think yeah, yeah, around the twelve million level, ten to twelve uh, usually in there because it, it did a higher rating, but it was also on late at night when fewer televisions were watching. Uh, so he didn't do a higher rating than this, but the ratings yeah. were really good. But the viewers were there weren't as many uh, people per home watching and, and percentage of televisions on. So, uh, yeah, I'm trying to find this on my WWE network now, guys in the chat. Does and Justin Barrasso will be joining us here in a minute. But guys in the chat, if uh, oh here we go, uh, if you have the free version of the network, let me know if Saturday Night's main event is on there. I'm I'm betting that it is. So, yeah, I don't even know what's on the free tier. Yeah, I know they here. had, like, some of the stuff, but they did that kind of, like, slow rollout. But, yeah, I didn't even know. I first for, Actually, I feel like when I first started watching these, that this wasn't. The main events were not part of the Saturday Night's main events package, but then they recently add, added them in. Uh, I, I believe they were on there, because I remember watching this years ago. Because this mm-hmm. is the... This is, 
this was the event that sucked me in. Like the mm-hmm. the last Saturday Night's main event, I was very curious. I was interested. I was excited about this. But this made me a diehard wrestling fan. Like wanted to call the hotlines and find out what was going on. Find out what was going on with the title. Yeah, there was no Wrestling Inc. in 1988. There was not. And I was sucked in. This this brought me in. And it was... Uh, it was awesome. Uh, and it really is when you talk about the, the, the famous finish, which I'll spoiler because I think we all know what it is. It's Andre the Giant pinning Hulk Hogan with a ton of controversy. There's the whole angle with the twin referees with uh, Dave Hebner is supposed to be the referee, but Earl Hebner ends up being the, the real referee and it becomes this big angle, which will unfold. But really, with perhaps the exception of The Undertaker losing at WrestleMania to Brock Lesnar. This is probably the most shocking moment in WWF history, if not in the entire history of the industry, as far as just what the hell just happens. Yeah, and, you know, WWF actually leaked the result of this match earlier in the day. Mm -hmm. And that is uh, that was something I actually never knew until I was listening to Bruce Pritchard's podcast. Um, And it worked. Yeah, they they won. (laughs) Well, not many, you know, back then, information travels quickly, so... I'm thinking a very, very small percentage of people knew this was coming. Obviously, this you know this aired in prime time, so it it aired on a tape delay, you know, on the West Coast and uh, you know parts of the uh, the Mountain Time Zone. So it had already aired when you know when it aired on the West Coast, so people could have found out from their friends and things like that. But again, we're talking about a small number. Um, my network's kind of screwing up. Yeah, and one of the things that was so big about the show, like you said, Raj, was it was in prime time, and it really made a difference. It's amazing to think about in Saturday Night's main event, which was starting at 11.30 p.m., that they were able to do as good of ratings as they are. Now, granted, Saturday Night Live was, was you know, the staple of television at that point and was doing big numbers in that time slot at other points in the year. But to have, like, a show that was in prime time and now you know smackdown is on friday nights in prime time and the it, it really goes to show how you know much the wrestling industry has changed yeah and it's kind of surprising that nbc didn't pu- push to have more of these on that year uh, after doing that gi- that gigantic rating uh they beat everything in their time slot i mean it was it was a big number i mean 33 mm-hmm. million viewers i mean what in today's yeah. uh, today's numbers it'd probably be what like maybe like 12 million maybe 10, yeah if it does know? a giant number i would say like a big nfl like well like like uh, i think sunday night football does around like maybe like 15 million yeah depending so on it be... so let's probably comparable to that you know winning its time slot you know if you go back in time almost everything you know in the in the late 80s on network television in prime time would do 10 or 12 million you know almost no matter what it was but to dominate to that degree it really goes to show how big of a star these guys were and just how impossible it seems now for wrestlers now to have that kind of crossover appeal. And we talk about mainstream appeal. We talk about household names. It just seems impossible now for wrestling. Like I can't imagine wrestling ever having 10 million viewers again. Right. Yeah, I know. I I mean, 5 million seems unattainable. I mean, on Fox, you know, it was kind of the same thing. Primetime network television they had the rock, you know, throughout all they had all the hype, the hype during the NFL games, you know, all that all that hype building into it. And they did was it right under four, I believe? It was like three point eight, three point nine million. Uh, yeah. For, and that so, was seen as a big uh a big number. Uh, yeah. I wanna get to what uh Darla Kodka I don't wanna mispronounce that last name, but anyway, I think it's trash Ted 
Ted DiBiase isn't listed as being WWF champion. I kind of agree with this in the sense that they always mention that Andre is the champion and that Ted DiBiase is not an official champion. And the fact that he never got the title again kind of for some people would be like a hole in his resume. But it makes sense if you think about it. Andre actually won the title. Yeah. And then he tried to give it. He, he sold it. He gave it to DiBiase. So I guess from a storyline perspective, it makes sense because DiBiase ever, never actually won the title. And part of that controversy is that, you know, uh, Tony steps in and says the title is going to be held up and the tournament is going to be at WrestleMania 4. Yeah. Is there any precedent uh, since then? I, and not counting the 24-7 title. I know yeah. DiBiase won the, you know, bought that. But um, I don't think they've ever done a thing where you can just hand off the title. Well, I guess in a weird way. Triple H, Triple H, yeah, Bishop, with the, but that was anointing the, the title. Yeah, that was more anointing the uh, inaugural champion as opposed yeah. to, um, as opposed to a title change. So, which is a terrible idea to just anoint a champion. Yeah, let me uh, double check with Justin here. I'm trying to think when, um, when Jericho won the undisputed title for the f- first night. Was that t- had the title been vacated? Well, the title had been vacated before. Yeah, it's that's been not what you're. Before. That's not what you're asking, right? Have you ever been just able to hand it, like saying, "I can't wrestle, so I'm giving the belt to so and so"? I know. I feel like it hap- has happened, but I can't. I'm trying can't to think recall. of times like there was when CM Punk walked out, and then like um, Rey Mysterio was the champion, and then he lost it to Cena later that night. And yeah. then Cena and Punk fought, but I'm trying to think of the title being handed to somebody. It might have happened in WCW. Yeah, um, I guess. Phil Phil saying Jeff Jeff Jarrett handed Mark Henry the European Championship and Booker T handed Canyon the U.S. title in WCW. So, uh, yeah, Bruce yeah. Bennett, always, always our, our trivia guy. DiBiase, yes, he did actually, after that title change, he did defend it on house shows for a week. Then he until... should be considered a champion. He defended the title. I know it doesn't really matter. Yeah. You know, but, but back then, I mean, and that goes, this is a whole other part of this. The world title meant so much. It's almost incomprehensible compared to today, how much you would value the world championship. And for, and, and at the time, Hulk Hogan had been the champion for so long and the WWF had grown so much since when Hogan first won the title and added so many new fans, especially young fans like yourself at the time, Raj. It was almost inconceivable that Hogan could lose the title. Like yeah. the Hogan was the title. They were, they were together. Yeah. Hey, what's going on, Justin? Guys, I apologize. Uh, no thanks worries. for having me. It's, a, it's you know, we when we started this thing, we are talking about how We'll keep doing it till uh, things slow, you know, things pick up again. Well, things never really slow down. Yeah, they never slow. So they yeah, tonight, today is uh, tonight's kind of our season finale for now. Uh, we're uh, taking a pause for a little bit, uh, and then once things slow down again, we'll either pick up on Saturday night's main event, or maybe we'll do Clash of Champions, or, or mix it up. But yeah, uh, the, tonight is the the last one for a little bit. And what and a really, you couldn't ask for a better a better night to end on the peak of Andre. And this is all. I think the best part of this is it's post WrestleMania three. And the problem with all Hogan's feuds are, it's never the same after, right? Like Andre is even better afterwards. So yeah, I love I love what we're about to watch tonight. Yeah. So we're gonna get things started right now. If you guys want to pull up your WWE and real quick, uh, as some people are. We were talking about Justin. Uh, if we've ever seen uh, people hand over a championship and it counted. <coughs> excuse me and um 
There have been a couple that people mentioned. Uh, Amy is bringing up Becky just did that to Asuka. She was presenting it to Asuka. She didn't get to pick uh, who she wanted to give it to. They, she said that it had been decided that who wins mm-hmm. Money in the Bank gets it. So she was, she was presenting it as opposed to just deciding who gets it next. When else is someone giving someone a title? I mean, it was the finger poke of doom, but that's a little bit different. There was yeah. Sean and Triple H with the uh, their version of that with the European title. Yeah, we, we, Phil Phil had Jeff Jarrett handing Mark Henry the European Championship. I don't even remember that. And Booker T handing Canyon the U.S. title. I mean, title. we're talking W's, late era WCW and late era WWF, and those mid-card titles bounced around a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So, Justin, I was saying this was the the main event that got me sucked in and turned me into a wrestling fan. And sometimes I look back that if that Hulk Hogan versus Andre the Giant Saturday night's main event was just a regular match and you didn't have Andre attacking him, and then, you know, this didn't happen, I'm sure I would have become a wrestling fan at some point, but who knows? Like, those angles changed my life in a weird way. In DBIC, it was frustrating that he wasn't, like, he didn't pin Andre, but... He was the million dollar man. He he bought it. Like that was the great part of it. He couldn't buy off Hogan, but he could buy off Andre. So yeah, just a, it's a great story. Yeah. Um, I love the Andre Colossal Connection program, but yeah. this is really Andre's last singles hurrah. Yeah, and you know we were talking about it before. Andre really got the the best of Hogan in this feud when you think about it, because this was their last singles match on TV mm-hmm. outside of WrestleMania Four, which was a a double DQ. So this was the the final one with the finish and Andre getting the Andre getting the win. Yeah, I think someone mentioned last week that on regular television, Andre got the better of Hogan at pretty much every turn. If you wanted mm-hmm. to see Hogan actually get his revenge on Andre, you had to pay. It was pay-per-view, yeah, or house show. Yeah, and I don't know if that's by design. It probably was. But it's an Jesse, interesting wrinkle. Maybe you just read this in the book. When was that Milwaukee cage match? That's later that summer? Oh, uh, WrestleFest? Yeah. That was eight. Wasn't that eight? Oh, yeah, that was later that summer. I think it was after SummerSlam. Yeah. Okay. I think you're right because I think it was WrestleFest. I want to say WrestleFest was designed to um, compete against like the popular AWA shows, which I think were in September, maybe. I don't know. Wrestle Rock, right, August, September. Wrestle, I get Wrestle Fest, Wrestle Rock. Wrestle Rock was the AWA show. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, they milked they milked this feud for a long time. I, I mean, I just read about it in the Andre book. It's like they got the absolute most out of this feud that they possibly could have. It got they got them oh, like basically two years of storylines, you know, tons of house shows, and obviously these big events. We you know we talked about how big WrestleMania three was. This is the most watched event in American wrestling history. Thirty three million viewers. This was the big deal. And they got the absolute most out of it. And, you know, Andre was physically really limited at this point in time. So to be able to get that much out of him, it really took a lot of smart booking um, and in good timing by Andre, as far as this being the perfect time for him to have that last big run where he ended up making millions of dollars. Yeah. And when, when they also Hogan and Andre, they, you know, they kind of cross paths to WrestleMania's, uh, with WrestleMania three and four, that SummerSlam, SummerSlam '88, when that the tag match and that Survivor Series, so four pay per views, and that's probably not even a, a fifth, or well, it's probably not half as many times as Cena and Orton have met on pay per view. So <laughs> a lot more pay per views, <laughs> right? Uh, it's oh, the uh, eighth Bruce, wonder of the world. Jesse Bruce, don't get ahead of us here. Bruce, things. Bruce, talking about Andre surrounding the WWF Tag Team Championship. We'll get to that. 
a little flub yeah. on Andre's part later on. And Amy was asking about what is the name of the Andre book you were talking about. Justin just showed it. It is The Eighth Wonder of the World by Pat Lapardé. came out earlier this year. Highly recommend it to anyone who's interested in learning about Andre because it has so much information you probably didn't know. that. One thing, Andre was Bulgarian and Polish, and that he was his parents had immigrated to France from there. Never knew that. Um, just so much stuff. There's a crazy story about Andre going to Iraq and wrestling in front of Saddam Hussein. Um, and um, Saddam Hussein like threatened to break Andre the Giant's legs if like he got the better of um, it was uh, Adon, the guy who would later team up with the Iron Sheik, who was friends with. But just like crazy stories left and right, uh, tons of stuff. I, like I said, I recommend. All right, we're going to start here in a second, but here's a really interesting question. Phil Phil saying, mm-hmm. how do you guys think WWF would have turned out in the 80s had Hogan stayed in the AWA? That's one of those, like, if, if Hall and Nash stayed with WCW, uh, I mean with WWF, WWF yeah. in 1996, how different would wrestling be? It's Because uh, the NWO wouldn't happen, Steve Austin wouldn't have gotten that big push, Austin 316 would have never been a thing. So, in regards to the Hogan and the AWA, I actually wrote all this week about Vern Gagne and Vince McMahon and the many similarities they share. And the fact of the matter is, is that if Hogan had stayed in the AWA, the AWA would have lasted longer. Hogan was a really successful draw. If in some world they could have worked out the differences between Vern Gagne and Hogan and all of the stuff that was happening in AWA, I think the AWA would have lasted longer. But in the end, Vince was just the better promoter. He was more enterprising. He had better ideas. Vern at that point was past his peak creatively. He wasn't able to connect with fans. He wasn't able to con- make y- new fans. He was relying on older stars. I just don't think he would have. It would have worked out that way if he had met, even if he had been able to kept Hogan. That was a sinking Probably. ship, regardless. Probably. And I go one step further. It's, oh. it's the movie, right? If he's not in Rocky, then what? Does mm-hmm. is is Vince uh, Vincent K. Vince Jr. as as interested? I don't know if you you think the WWF was on the path where they win the war, but. Who's are they? They 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 win the land. They they you know uh, the landscape, but how, who who's the Hogan guy it, without Hulk? I mean, Mister well, Wonderful. I don't know. Yeah, I, mean, nobody... I was just about to say in '85, who else was there? Snuka, you know, as the top babyface. I mean, if you didn't have Hogan, that was such a pivotal year. Yes, he would have probably gotten Hogan later, but for that pivotal year, who who would they have went with? And yeah, I think it maybe. I think what I think happens is Vince's conquest starts later. It doesn't start in maybe it starts in 86 or 87 because, I mean, a lot of things happened in wrestling. If anyone wants to read Tim Hornbaker's uh, Death of the Territories that talks about kind of what happened to wrestling uh, that allowed the WWF to kind of dominate to its degree. But a lot of different stuff happens. And it wasn't just Hogan went to the WWF and the WWF got super hot because of Hogan and they rolled over everyone else. Vince was really smart about how he promoted his product. He was really smart of how he leveraged television. He was really smart on how he labeled a uh, leveraged cable television. You know, Vince and Hogan have a symbiotic relationship. Hogan doesn't become as big if he doesn't have Vince. Vince doesn't become as successful if he doesn't have Hogan. But I think at the end of the day, Vince had the ideas and was the enterprising promoter enough to end up eventually accomplishing his vision, uh, you know, of taking over the wrestling world, which he totally did. Yeah. All right, should we uh, get started? How the, the roles reverse to we start with Hogan not being a good enough wrestler for, for Vern Gagne, and, and that, that was kind of the end of him. And, and Vince wanted to make it, you know, show. And then you go to Daniel Bryan, who uh, was was too good of a wrestler by like WrestleMania 30, 31, not 30, but 31, when Vince just wanted to go in a different direction. 
Uh, so it's funny how, you know, the, the, the winds of change have, have passed the rest over the decades. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, that's, that's how it happened. And it's, it's really interesting to look back and see, like, I mean, I, like I said, I wrote about it for my column this week, like the, it's very eerie looking at the end of the AWA and what they were unable to accomplish and compare it to WWE today, which is much more successful than AWA, but a lot of the similarities between who's in charge, Vince and Vern. But we're going to get started. That's enough about the AWA for now. This is the main event. I'm going to do a countdown, and we're all going to press play, and then we're all immediately going to press pause right after that to give anyone that has advertisements on the network a chance to, to let those play out. Um, so I'll do the countdown right now. Five, four, three, two, one. Press play. Press pause. And we'll give another 30 seconds. Um, I got this tidbit. This is Andre the Giant's first match on television since uh, the Battle Royal from March 1987 that we watched in Saturday Night's Main Event. He does not wrestle another match on television. He does a few house shows, but only like one or two. And he has obviously the WrestleMania 3 match and then the Survivor Series match. But he basically did not wrestle in matches. He was present, as we've seen him on the last few Saturday Night's Main Event. But this is the first match that Andre has had on television in almost a year. Well, this is probably all of, well, well, we'll get started here, but this is probably all of their first ever live match on, on network television. Well, yeah. Cause the show, show cause they wasn't were never live. live. Yep. This yeah. is another thing. Is that this except show... for uh, the war to settle the score. That was live. Wasn't it on MTV? I think you're right. I might've been the one. So Hogan might Hogan and well, there was the war to settle the score. And wasn't there one after that? Um, it's uh, the, I thought it was just the one. Isn't there the, there's the war that settled the score and there was a follow-up that was like the, it the had war a to settle it all or something. Yeah. The, the brawl to settle it all. Was that it? It was, it was a similar type name, but it, I think it was like a, like a month or two after that. False advertising um, with both. Anyway, yeah. we're going to, yeah, we're going to press play. I'll do another countdown. We're going to go five, four, three, two, one, and press play. Now this Saturday, this main event, I pretty much have memorized by heart. <laughs> yeah, and it's not just Andre and Hogan. We have Randy Savage versus the Honky Tonk Man, which opens up this show for the Intercontinental Championship. And then it's Hogan versus Andre. And then at the end of the show, it's Strike Force versus the Heart Foundation. And those guys are in the ultimate death spot on this card after perhaps the most shocking finish in the history of wrestling. Andre beats Hogan for the title, and then these poor guys have to go out in front of the crowd and wrestle a tag team match. Well, they didn't even finish. They they got like two minutes, and they just ended. And I thought they were going to show the match on Superstars or something the following weekend. They never yeah, did. It's a it's they, a lost uh, match. Well, because this show is live, what happens is they they, they kind of shoot some angles, post match angles. You have Hogan, you know, crying about the title. You have the the debate between the referees. And then they just cut and it's strike the matches in the middle of happening and Vince and Jesse are talking about it. And then the show goes off the air and they did not end the match. Now on the, this version on the WWE network, you actually see the finish of the match, you know, like Jesse and, and Vince go off the air, but then the match still happens and you get to see the finish, but that was only oh, added in after. Yes. Yeah, so on this, if you watch yeah. it's like, it doesn't, it's like, it takes like place like 30 seconds after they go off the air. But at the time it just kind of went off and you're just like, Oh, I wonder what happened in that tag team match. Yeah, that's how I was. I think didn't the same thing happen the following year with a demolition match that was on after, or maybe I'm thinking of something else. Um, after the Hogan and Savage Mega Powers explode, I thought there was a match on after that, and it was kind of the same deal. There is it? a match on after that because I have the whole history here. It was um, Ted DiBiase versus Hercules. 
Right, yes. And they did... Did they finish that? Uh, ba, 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 ba. I don't know. I haven't yeah, watched it yet. It doesn't of... say that they okay. did... Um, that was a two-match show. Full base from that open. And it's a great open. Andre with, without the straps on is so strange. And Jimmy Hart without glasses. Uh, yeah. Jimmy looks different without, without some kind of shades on. Um, but yeah, a big nice pet of mine is... Yeah. Bruce with Andre strapped down. And how... This reminds me of the the rumble, uh, the one where Flair wins the belt. What ninety two? Like I still don't think Hogan's gonna lose the belt here. He ends with the last promo. It's his show. Um, right. I I still think it's a big surprise, especially the way they did it, right? With two referees. Yeah, I mean, I was plotting this out. I was like, okay, Hogan beats Andre here. Then he's gonna probably. Then I thought Million Dollar Man at WrestleMania, mm-hmm. and you know, I just had all like Hogan's next three years planned out, and. Right. uh yeah, like I said, this this show turned me into Uber fan. I got into the hotlines after this. I needed to know what happened. It was, uh, and I yeah, I just it, it it sucked me in. You don't see angles like that very much anymore, where it just really gets the imagination going. I was I can't because I, I know there was a rumor I think last week that the Nexus, like they were talking about a Nexus mm. reunion or something like that, had been tossed it's out. Not I a rumor. Was... We have a interview with Wade Barrett, uh, Stu Bennett, who was talking right. about it, and he turned it down. And, like, I was remembering, like, when the Nexus happened, like, how big of an angle that was. And I honestly can't remember when, like, the last, like, really big angle happens, like, on WWE television. You have feuds, and they'll do, like, kind of cliffhanger endings. But when was the last time, like, we got, like, a massive angle? Like, maybe when the Shield showed up? Yeah, but that was, like, six or seven years ago. Oh, yeah, it was a long time. Or maybe longer. longer It's, like, eight years ago. Summer of Punk was huge. The second Summer of Punk. Yeah. But uh, the Daniel Bryan, like to me, that that night in Providence when they had to scrap the Wyatt family angle, just because Bryan was mm-hmm. so big and he's on top of the that cage. was such a good. That was my favorite yeah. Raw I've ever been to. Yeah, the place and is now, electric. We got Providence this Hogan very, workout. Very underrated wrestling hotbed. Yeah, we got this Hogan workout video. I believe this is the first time Jake the Snake's music was ever used. <laughs> this is Jake the Snake's theme <laughs> that he's working out to. Yeah, this is uh, interesting image imagery. I loved it as a kid. I was like, dang, he's ripped. Like, yeah, it just, I mean, just gets you jazzed for this match coming up. Yeah, I mean, it's time and place, right? You could yeah. show this now and it wouldn't work. But in the 80s, it was different. If you watch oh, yeah. any 80s, if, I mean, if you watch any 80s action movie, this is essentially an 80s workout montage. Well, it could still work. You just got to change it. Like, it's like you Creed, you still have the workout montage. It's just different from how you did it in Rocky IV. Uh, you know, it's. You make it more gritty, more intense, not so... You don't have the, you know, those clothes. <laughs> you can still make it work. Vince selects so guys with muscles. moment, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, like, if you had Brock just, you know, tearing it up in a gym, I think it'd be awesome. Well, they did that stuff with, like, Lashley, right? Yeah, that was... That was... Yeah. That's not... But, I, Yeah. This is pretty long. This is longer than I remembered watching it, and I watched it earlier this week. So, but you know, they had shot the angle. I mean, whether it was a botch or an angle, who knows? But they had the angle at the end. You know, WrestleMania three, very early on. Andre gets the near fall. Maybe he pinned him. Hogan, show, you know, Bobby Heenan's adamant that Andre got screwed. It was Joey Morella's fault, and they're still kind of playing into that. That this is kind of the rematch for the you know controversy. Uh, you know, that happened at WrestleMania three, and it's almost a year later. Jesse's so good at even when 
he doesn't want to making it sound like he's not towing the company line, but he, he throws in there the Hogan's in great shape. Uh, Jesse was just so good at subtly making the story work while still being his own character. Jimmy Hart has the shades back on here. Looks a little more like the mouth of the cell. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, Jesse, I mean, everything about this show. He, I mean, the, the, the size of the, the magnitude of the matches, Jess and, Jesse and Vince on commentary. It's just Probably the just peak epic. of the Honky Tonk Man. You know, right. not, I don't know. He doesn't go dip too much right away, but I don't know if he ever gets any higher than he, than he is this night. I agree. This was, I think, after this, it was kind of like, where do we go from here? He, you know, he needs to Man. drop it. Well, he holds they, on to it for another like six months or so because he holds on until SummerSlam. Yeah, the original. So the original plan was for Honky to lose it here and Savage to win it. I mean, imagine how wrestling history would have changed. Savage. Should have bought a mistake for refusing to drop the title here. Yeah. Uh, he was supposed to win for. Uh, he was supposed to win. A beefcake was supposed to win too. Right? So a few, a few different things happened, and yeah. it all worked out. Now, Brutus was supposed to be perfect the next year, right? Was Brutus then, supposed to win that SummerSlam match, though? Yeah, he was supposed to win. Uh, he, he wasn't supposed to win this one. That was a work where he got it, injured by Outlaw right. on Bass. Yeah, but the following year, yeah, he was supposed to face uh, Mr. Perfect, and then he That's got that parasailing accident. That's right. That was yeah. Because he beats Perfect in, in uh, Toronto, right? At the, Sky, at the Sky Dome. Yeah, yeah. He beat him at the WrestleMania. Yeah. Yeah. Which it was weird because he beat him. Because Hogan had beaten him a bunch of times, but they counted that as the end of the, the Perfect streak. The end of the strike. Honky. So we're going to see Honky Tonk. Who is, so this is Peggy Sue. Who is Peggy Sue? You guys probably Sorry, That's that. Sherry Martell, right? Sherry yes, Martell. It is. <clears throat> um, who, when I saw this, was felt immediately bad for her because she clearly has some self-esteem issues because she's obsessed with the Honky Tonk Man and she's the Honky Tonk Man's girlfriend. And this entire angle is the Honky Tonk Man is trying to court Elizabeth. <laughs> Well, I don't think he's uh, trying to quarter. I think he's. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think Peggy Sue was the only one, at least in my mind, was the only one with the honky tonk man. Yeah, that was true love. Good dancing by <laughs> Sherry too. <laughs> well, Sherry Martell, who's someone who I think uh, over time people have come to appreciate her role, um, but as a performer, she was great. You know, especially, you know, this from her peak from the late 80s and early 90s. She was a really, really special performer and actually like a pretty, First like, decent, kind. like, worker. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She, big bumps. she was a head. I mean, time. nobody else. There wasn't really, I mean, what Elizabeth was on the babyface side of the card, Sherry yeah. was as a villain. Yeah. She was so good. Well, like, Elizabeth, I mean, this isn't like a knock on Elizabeth, and she's really good in her role, obviously, and she's a big reason Savage got over the way he did, but she didn't have to, like, she didn't have to have like the versatility, I guess, that Martel Sherry had to do with like, like you said, she took bumps. She did all sorts of this stuff that like was really like uh, you know ahead of her time. I guess well, even if she could, you wouldn't want to do that with Elizabeth. No, Elizabeth's Unless character. Elizabeth did the more the more it worked. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, for her character, yeah. you don't want her taking bumps or you know getting mad or anything like that. She, she I mean, it worked perfect. And the one time when she finally does, when she attacks Sherry Martel at WrestleMania six, the people just yeah. went ape. You know. And the only times that I can remember Elizabeth getting someone laying a hand on her was Honky Tonk did it, which we saw a mm-hmm. couple of weeks ago, and Jake Roberts did it. Jake, I think, throws her down, I think. Yeah. No, like, didn't he punch her? He, I thought he taught Either way. It, it was Honky pushed cow, her. I thought Jake punched her. Like he, did he? Or slapped her or punched her. Because well, that was the one. Knocked, yeah. Team knocks yeah. her down. 
Well, Akeem, that was an accident. I know. I know. That's part of the angle. That wasn't, I mean, it was supposed to happen, but in storyline, it was an accident. Judgment, bringing up the robe that the Macho Man's wearing. Those robes were, this era of Macho Man is my favorite of all time. Uh, Heenan family noting that the Saturday Night's main event production was amazing. Made it feel like a big deal. I still like it to this day. You don't have all these lasers and lights and everything. But I'm a it, fan it of feels more smaller... like a sport. It, it doesn't feel like a video a... game. Yeah, I'm a fan of the smaller, like, like I know the stage is, can be cool. I like the smaller stage, and I don't know. I feel like it makes it feel like it's more of a boxing match or something like that. Like, he's coming down the aisle. Right. The fans are and right there. It's the not like this giant royal production. I agree. I think it's overproduced right now. And having seen this, you know, especially when you, when this first started, the crowd is so electric. To me, this feels like such a bigger deal than WrestleMania Four. We talked last week about like the atmosphere at WrestleMania Four is pretty weak. Especially you mean in terms of atmosphere? Hot. Yeah, like as far yeah. as like this is a massive, massive yeah. event. Yeah, and the even crowd's though you know, going crazy, um, it looks so- just it wasn't the right. It was so sterile, you know. Yeah. See, like now they got when they got the lights on the LEDs and the lights on the apron. It's just too. It makes it look like a video game yeah. as opposed to a sport. This looks like how if you if UFC had ropes, that's what it would look like today, more yeah. or less. You know, there's and a charm in like its simplicity. Yeah, some oh, uh, corrections oh. here. Uh, Jake slapped Liz, didn't punch her. So Judgment, Michael Allen, Jason, PS3, all pointing that out. I'll say this about the UFC. I love their presentation. Like it's mm-hmm. so. I like how they they dark. You know, everything's dark around the cage. Maybe wrestling could add a little bit of smoke to that, but I feel like that's the model. Um, I'm surprised they haven't tried that for a pay per view. You know, making it more ring centric. But I don't know. Maybe yeah. maybe we'll see. What I we mean, I like next. it like this, where you could tell there's people in the stands. Oh, I meant in terms yeah, of I mean- the, the empty arena era. Oh, yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, when you have, I mean, I thought they should have done that with Edge, Randy Orton, especially if they're adding the, the piped-in crowd noise. Make it so you could tell there's people in the front, but darken it so you could, you know, you could barely yeah. see them. And then that, that I match, think that piped-in crowd noise would work a, a, a little better. That match yeah. succeeded despite everything around it. Like, WWE tried so hard to make that match a failure, which is crazy, right? Those are your stars. You built the show around them. And I thought the tagline was ridiculous. Greatest wrestling match ever. It sold the show to me. Like, that's all people were talking about. Um, and then they have a great match, despite the fact that the production team tried their hardest to, to, to complicate things. Absolutely. I think that, um, you know, that despite that tagline, everyone was ready to crap all over because of that tagline. And it, yeah. after the after it was over, no one did. It wasn't like, yeah. oh, that was not even close to the greatest match. It's like, maybe it wasn't, but it was really entertaining. And it was damn good. And yeah, and I feel like it reached out. It reached a level where it like respect. It was it was really good. So, but it reached a level of respectability where it's like, okay, no one's really gonna say that was the greatest match ever. But no one also wants to hear you bash it for being like not a good match. Right. I was pretty afraid of it as soon as they said. Well, as soon as they said, like we're gonna bring you this match with you know special you know visual like camera presentation and audio presentation. I was like, uh oh, this I got no hopes for this because I feel like this is gonna have like a million camera cuts per second and it's gonna be bad. But I got over the crowd noise. I think the mistake with the crowd noise was instituting it for that match. So for the first ten minutes, everyone was just super distracted by it, as opposed to doing it for all the shows. But I, I mean, think, it, it was end up being. I think, I think if match. they did it at full sale, so it had a different atmosphere, so you know it's somewhere else. So that way, because when you have it in the same location as the other matches, the other matches don't have that crowd noise. This looks exactly right. like the other ones, and they do. 
And you need that the crowd noise. The whole, it, it, I think it would have been bad regardless, but you, you need it the whole night. Whatever you do, you can't just change it for the last match. Unless you change location. Right. That would have been one thing. Uh, I want to get the Jimmy yeah. Hart, but I think, I think it was brilliant that Orton all week criticized Tommaso Ciampa about the leg slap. And how does he end the match? The leg slap. So, I mean, uh, tip your cap to Randy Orton. Yeah. Uh, real quick, Amy Elliott Vaughn asking, why is Miss Elizabeth not in the Hall of Fame? Is it her family not wanting her in it? Great question. I, I think it's because they have this quota. They don't want many, you know, they don't really don't want more than one deceased person every year. Mm-hmm. And there's kind of a long list when you think about it of um, people that should be in the Hall of Fame that have passed away. You know, obviously Bulldog. Um, geez, there's a lot. Bam Bam Bigelow. Um, yeah, they have a quota, but they also have. Elizabeth you know, they also have. Elizabeth should definitely be in there, though. They also, but they also have one woman a year, and yeah. I would, without naming names, I think there are women that have been inducted that have had much less of an impact than Miss Elizabeth did. Yeah, for sure. But I also think they want that woman to be alive. You know what I mean? Like they still oh, that's yeah, separate know, from but... the. So it'd be Elizabeth and a, a, another woman, I would think. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, it would she, be, it I would be fun to hear if she got inducted by. Obviously, they probably use uh, current talent. It could be fun to hear someone who was impacted by by Elizabeth as a kid. I mean, that would be interesting. I don't know who it would be, but I'm sure yeah. someone there has an appreciation for what she did all those years ago. Uh, also fun, you know, Sherry Martel ringside, but Jimmy Hart, actually one of the people who helped bring Randy Savage to the World Wrestling Federation from Memphis. Yeah. Uh, so fun to see these two work, work together. You don't often see them together from this point forward, but uh, Jimmy and Randy worked well together. Yeah. Uh, judgment saying WWE needs a physical Hall of Fame where you can have a collection of Macho Man's robes. That'd be awesome. You know, WWF, they don't treat Macho Man the same as a lot of the other legends. You know, you got, uh, just look at the Ultimate Warrior. They don't treat Macho Man like the Ultimate Warrior, even though Macho Man was a far bigger star than the Warrior, uh, had far more of an impact. Um, Much more longevity. Yeah, it still is remembered to this day. And so is Warrior, too, don't get me wrong. Yeah, but Uh, Warrior deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. As far as, like, wrestlers that, like, people who don't watch or know anything about wrestling, as far as people who they know, I would say it probably goes Andre Hogan and Macho Man or The Rock. Um, Oh, The Rock is number one. Well, like, but but a lot of people don't even know The Rock is, like, was a wrestler. Right, but they know him. Um, Yeah, I mean, Hogan, Hogan would be, Hogan... If we're talking about era, Hogan's number one. I think it's Hogan, Andre, uh, Piper, maybe Savage, then Piper. Well, I, I'll talk the to people. Stuff works for him, but it's tough. That's I'll, like, I'll talk to yeah. people. I'll talk to people like my age who don't watch wrestling and you know weren't around when like Macho Man was like on TV all the time or anything like that. But I feel like people know who Randy Savage is, as opposed to they don't know who they might not know who like uh, Ric Flair. Or Would even the Ultimate really? Warrior. I put Ric Flair up there as well. Flair, when, Flair does. Flair is around now. And he, like you know, gets mentioned. Yeah, yeah but yeah, mentioned. I agree. I agree, Jesse. Probably not up there with the uh, the Hogan's, the Macho Man's. Uh, you had to have been a wrestling fan, which a lot of people were in that day. Yeah, or they had at least a passing like knowledge of wrestling. It was right. more mainstream. You know, thirty three million people watch this. So even if you're not like a huge fan, you will know who the main people are. I mean. Yeah, there's there are certain sports I wouldn't consider myself a huge fan of, but I know who they are, like the the top people are. Yeah, Michael Allen Rubin bringing up there was heat between Savage and Vince. That's why I mean, what else? What other reason can, is there? It, uh, it makes no sense otherwise. Why did you think? Why did? What do you think? 
What what do you think the heat was? <laughs> well, it's tough when there's no living link too. Now there's Lanny Poffel who was I, I asked Lanny, Lanny about Hall of Fame bid, but there's mm-hmm. no um, and Lanny's not really involved with with Vince at all. Right? He, he was at the NWA show. He's done some stuff with Jay Lethal uh, yeah. around All In, which is really good. But what do you? I mean, with Warrior, his wife works with the company. Hogan's just always going to be attached to them because he's their their Babe Ruth. Uh, so I think it's tricky with Randy. There's no real connection. Even like the Hearts and the Bulldogs, there's always some kind of connection. But with Randy, there's not. So heat or no heat, it's it's there's no real link. Yeah, but he was never brought back. He was never talked to about being brought back when he was alive. In and a, even after he died, he, if, if you he read did a Vince, promo right before. But that was for uh, the video game guy, the the toys, the toy guys. So that was right. not through WWE. Yeah, um, but that's same story with Sting too. Sting does it through 2K. And then they brought him in, in, but they never yeah, brought how, Savage well, in. Well, that's how Warrior came back, too. Yeah. yeah. Right. But and they I never think Goldberg, did it. And Goldberg, I think. Yeah. What a double axe handle. I know. Savage. Is, is, he was. <laughs> I mean, Savage. Right, to go back the, to an earlier point, too, I, I don't know why you don't set up and charge an ent- entry fee or make it part of the access. I know they have like a, a WWE Hall of Fame like part uh, memorabilia at access. But they should really do that up, even if it travels to major shows, right? Mm. Why not have it traveling as part of SummerSlam and and Mania and the big ones, the big four, Rumble and Sarsis? Why wouldn't you want to bring your Hall of Fame and show off your stars? And I don't know. I, I think yeah. it would be it's it's a it's a missed opportunity. Yeah. They all they had almost like a false finish here where uh Savage knocked Jimmy Hart off the apron, or Honky accidentally knocked uh, Jimmy Hart off the apron. Savage put him in a sleeper hole. It looked like he was going to finish him there for a second. Then Sherry was going after Elizabeth, and Machima went outside. Threw Honky into the turnbuckle, and that was it. Count out. Savage doesn't have a lot of like luck winning these matches on Saturday Night's main event. It's a lot of count outs, a lot of DQs. And, you know, it's kind of weird. He's, like, celebrating that he won, but he doesn't get the title. Yeah, that's that is true. I'm trying to w- think of the last one that he won. He beat George Anvil Steel. Yeah. But even those were like a lot of like Brett. He beat like right? Or was Brett? Yeah, yeah, he beat yeah, Brett. He beat Brett. Brett. Yeah, you're right. He beat him with a roll up. That's pr- that's pr- actually for Saturday Night's Man event. That's a yeah, pretty good. Kind of win. the nature of the business. Yeah. Um. Now here, Honky Tonks. One of Honky's red line, lines was, "You're just lucky I don't play the piano." <laughs> yeah, he does say that. <laughs> I think that was Jesse's line because I thought Jesse had used it before, and then maybe they they used maybe it. Maybe they both did. Yeah, yeah. And then from behind, Jimmy Hart's hitting Savage with the megaphone. Love- Honky looks like he's about to wail. Savage with the guitar, and Elizabeth gets in. His good friend Hogan nowhere to be found. No, well, he's got he's got he's good some. Big fish to fry tonight. Yeah, but I did think watching this when I watched it live, I was thinking that Hogan was going to come in. It seemed like that that kind of a setup. Well, Honky I kind of have to save villain. that. What's that? Honky Talk Man plays a great villain. Yeah, he he was great in this. Just no remorse. He's ready to hit Elizabeth with the guitar yeah. as well. He could not have Savage been a baby recovers. Face. Yeah, Honky. <laughs> Honky's like Rick Rude. If if they made Rick Rude a babyface, it just it would have died a slow death, and they would have quickly turned him back heel. It's like the Miz every time they turn a babyface. He's just so much better as a heel. He's miscast as a babyface. 
The thing with Hockey is, is kind of an old school guy, territorial st- type star. It only lasts for so long. Like he gets the most out of that run, then then what do you do? Once he loses the Intercontinental title, it's yeah. and he had to lose, right? I mean, it's well, but Hockey was good in his role, but he just wasn't that versatile of a performer. He was he was all gimmick, and that has a shorter shelf life than someone like. Randy Savage, you can do a lot of different things. But that shows you what if you make your titles mean something, because he would main event, you know, yeah, house yeah. shows with because people of the wanted title. to see him lose the title. Yeah, uh, Bruce, this oh yeah, I never even thought about this. Bruce Brandon bringing up that Honky Tonk Man only had one win on pay per views, WrestleMania three with Jake. Didn't he pin someone in a Survivor Series? I, I want to. S- thought he might have pinned someone but yes as a jake match too is the one i think on paper he'd lose because jake has you know a massive star in his corner it's 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 a real funny finish that honky wins that wrestlemania three man yeah i think even on saturday night's main event i can't remember honky winning oh he lost to hogan once he, he lost here yeah well he doesn't really wrestle like he he's involved like he doesn't wrestle that much on television his, his matches would always end in a dq or a count out you know not with savage but the first six to eight minutes of his matches normally end like or start with him like circling the ring right it's infuriating <laughs> but I, I suppose that's part of it too you want to dislike him yeah savage that music band it, it, it's like the most bizarre combination and it works you know between the the crazy look with the beard and then the stars on the tights and the different colored boots and the fancy cape and the headband and that music he's as intense as ever holding her up you yeah. know it's not like he, he goes soft there he's still like the, the eyes are bulging he's pointing he's shouting yeah and again right here just the way they're seated there it feels again kind of like a sport like you're watching boxing like it feels big yeah, it's interesting that they kind of show the camera angle is like almost like the desk. They're like behind the desk. You know, you can see the monitor. You can see like the desk as opposed to now they would do it. They all, every wrestling promotion shoots like in front of the desk. Right. Yeah, this is this is kind of how, it, you know, again, it feels like more sporty. And they're like First in the crowd many, almost. Biggest matches in history. Yeah. Oh, it Another... definitely wasn't the first. What's no. that? It was in a long list. Yes, it's a long list of the biggest matches in history. So this is, this this is, is the angle of the shot. Wait, wait, this is the biggest match in modern history for sure. Which oh, Jesse just calls it the biggest match in history. You know, yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's it's relative, but yeah. I mean, more people watch this on TV than any other match in history, so. Yeah, okay, this one is the biggest match. I, they were showing clips of WrestleMania 3, so oh. I wasn't sure which one you were talking about. Well, that was the biggest pay-per-view match uh, up until that point. That did like a ridiculous like eight buy rate at a time when it was so well, hard yeah. to get pay-per-view. I think it did like 1.2, 1.3 maybe million buys. Andre's collection yeah. of jackets. Man, sports <laughs> coats. I, just, I wish you could look through that closet. I mean, one after another. Yeah. Look how young Jack Tunney looks there too. I know. Yeah. His hair wasn't all gray. And we didn't we didn't cover this Royal Rumble. but this I like was... Hogan's outfit. It's awesome. Yeah. It's very no holes barred, like he just got off the set. Yes. <laughs> it's the boots. You're right. And speaking of outfits, DiBiase in the white looks outrageous. Virgil, I mean. Right. And I this think was, like so. So between that main event, that Saturday night's main event we saw with Hogan and Bundy, and this was probably like three weeks later, 
DiBiase yeah. joined Andre, and, and and Andre was no longer with Heenan. Yeah, the, the Royal Rumble, Rumble was promo. Only- Heenan cuts. Heenan has, says he has all the money he ever wanted to do the things he's always wanted to do. So it made sense. It wasn't like Bobby gave up on him. He sold right. him. Yeah. So I think Ted, it's unfortunate because he's been in the company for almost a year, and he's been cutting a lot of vignettes. We just haven't seen them. From this era, I think Ted is my favorite character. I think he's so good in this role. He's just like, it's super memorable. His promos are good. It's just like, it's, it's kind of, cor- it's almost corny because he's like, oh yeah, he's just a really rich guy and he's wearing this ridiculous suit, but he's so good at it. And he has probably the best evil laugh in wrestling history. You know, I feel like he could do it today if he wanted, to, you know, like if, if you could transport him to today. And you yeah. just change the outfit. You get rid of the sparkly outfits and just suits. And, like, uh, he can still pull it off. I mean, you see them trying to pull it off with all these other wrestlers over the years, JBL. Um, and I think DiBiase is just a lot more believable or uh, um, en- uh, enigmatic. I don't know. I don't know what the word is. But. Yeah, see, and it's interesting. DiBiase is dripping in charisma. And he can work, too. Yes. DiBiase is dripping in charisma. Right. I mean. Yeah. He, he, yeah. Obviously, yeah, if you did thing, the character now, you'd need a much different. You couldn't do the Virgil. It, it's cringe, right? No, <laughs> unless it was but, uh, unless it was a white guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but you could well, you, you could have him have a, a manager. I'm sure they you could do have something him, yeah. where it's creative or. Well, if it was if it was wrestling now, yeah, I mean they'd have him have a ballet probably. Yeah, yeah. Well, but we I know agree. why. Obviously, was 40 <laughs> years old. He could still main event. Yeah. We all know why Virgil is is Virgil, right? Because of the Dusty? Because of Dusty. And also the belief at the time, which is partially true, is that Dusty's charisma and his riffs were often taken from riffs of whether it's black wrestlers or, you know, charismatic black preachers um, of that time period. And it was kind of a rib on Dusty, which is like, yeah, we'll get this guy named Virgil and he'll actually be black. And then, of yeah. course, when, when Virgil... I think his finest moment, though, well, there's a few of them, but that tag match at the Rumble against the Rhodes, against Dusty and Dustin, when he started, they they, they, slow, they slow, slowly turn Virgil face. And then um, that SummerSlam moment when Virgil beats DiBiase, it's a great moment. Well, when he uh, actually when turned face. Oh, yeah. Was, so when he turned oh, face, that was after the Rhodes, the Rhodes match, right? I think they, they, I think it was so. I think he, did he not? DiBiase was berating him. That was at the Royal Rumble. I don't think he turns till WrestleMania, though. Am I no, wrong? Uh, I thought at WrestleMania he had like Roddy Piper in his corner and on crutches. Yeah, so he turned before that. So that would have been, I think, the Royal he, Rumble. Yeah, he, does, he doesn't win the belt till I feel like it. I know the Rumble, the result, an altercation, but I know it's Summer SummerSlam MSG is when he beats him. Yeah, again, the hearing the tape just makes this match just even that much more bigger. Speaking of iconic duos, Savage and Elizabeth, Honky and Jimmy, Gene and Hulk, uh, Jesse and Vince. It's like everyone on this. Yeah. The supporting cast were so strong. What's that era? Yeah. yeah. The, the chemistry, I don't know. The, it just all connected, and it, it didn't seem forced at all. Yeah, I mean, the, I mean, everything about the industry was different. The way these guys came up. You know, they had been on TV, basically, you know, every territory had TV for the most part. So they got used to being on television and doing the TV tapings and they got used to doing the interviews. Um, 
and they just got used to working with so many different people traveling around that it just becomes a more cohesive unit than as opposed to starting, you know, starting in WWE and, you know, kind of, you know, being taught all these things in the performance center, but not having the same kind of experience. It's just different how talent, you know, was experienced by the time they got to WWE. Watch, somebody commented that it was 91, yeah. um, but he, he's, I remember he's in purple tights. Maybe I'm right about that, but I, I thought it was longer, but they, they fought at Mania and they didn't close it out till, I mean, that, that feud lasted a year. Right, but, Mania was a DQ, right? Yeah, it wasn't clean. I and think then at SummerSlam, he, yeah, I think he so. At SummerSlam, the big thing with SummerSlam was the open turnbuckle, the exposed turnbuckle. And he hit yeah. DiBiase with a new pendant. Let's take a look here to... So it was WrestleMania 7. And WrestleMania 7 is one of those I, I didn't watch again after it was over, except for the Savage Warrior thing I watched probably a, a hundred times. Yeah, he beat DiBiase by count out. Um, I feel like it's a good Rockers-Haku-Bavarian match, too. Am I wrong? Does that open the show? Uh, let's see. The Rockers... You had LOD versus Power and Glory. I don't even remember that. Earthquake versus that match is quick. Actually, one of, one of Hawk's best promos before that match, Power and Glory... When we're done with you, you'll be sour and gory. Uh, what a rush. That, that's it. And they, right. they beat him in like seven seconds. Right. Yeah, you're right. Uh, Rockers beat uh, Barbarian and Haku. And Texas Tornado beat Dino Brockman. I don't remember hardly any of these matches. Now, like once I read them, I kind of remember them. The Mountie versus Tito Santana. Tornado. Yeah, he beats Dino there. I love the Tornado. Uh, he, he's in this, that six-man at SummerSlam. It's an awesome match. Yeah. It's Diddy Boy. Tornado and Steamboat on one side against the powers of uh, Power and Glory and Warlord. And then I think Tornado, Tornado, Tornado doesn't make it to no, – does he make it to the Survivor Series? I don't. I think he's on the card. Or no, he's, he's, on the show. He, he's at Survivor Series 91. He is? Talking about Survivor Series 91. Yeah, yeah, he's definitely at Survivor Series 91. I can picture the promo he cuts on Mr. Perfect saying that that black cloud is going to – like no, that was, 90. that was ninety. That was ninety. That yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, that, right. Then that was SummerSlam, right? SummerSlam, he was gonna. SummerSlam's a ten day. Perfect had ten days to prepare. He couldn't do it. Great story. And then that's that Survivor Series that year was uh, Von Erich, Warrior, and the Legion of Doom. The next year, he was definitely on the card. I just don't know if he actually. I don't think he was part of the match. He was, I think he was in the Duggan team. Maybe he got replaced by Slaughter. I, I don't yeah. think. Got, I don't think the Tornado. Made so it to the last, Survivor Series. Last match in 1992 is on in uh, July. Okay. So he leaves the company in July. Um, Which makes there. sense. He's in the magazine for the match, I remember, but the magazine was printed ahead of time. Right. Yeah. Here we go. Uh, Bruce, uh, bringing up, by the end of 88, when the Mega Powers were splitting, Macho was getting more cheers than Hogan. My SummerSlam 89 is clearly Warrior over Hogan. That is true. I mean, you... <sighs> You could almost argue that you could have kept Savage a babyface for another year because um, he was, I mean, it wasn't like uh, he was fizzling out or anything. Yeah, it's interesting to see, like, I think we talked about this, like, the Hogan's title run, which ends tonight, that's really his peak as, like, this version of Hulk Hogan, the red and yellow classic Hulk Hogan. After that, he's still super popular, but he's not the magnificent like draw that he was a few years prior when he comes back and he, he, he beats, especially after, you know, he gets the title back after, um, from slaughter after warrior drops it. He just, it's not the same. It's not the same, but he's still a huge, I mean, his, um, well, he's really, so what happened, 
his pay-per-view match with Savage was the the most purchased up until that point because so many yeah. more homes had pay-per-view. His uh, his house show matches with Boss Man uh, did big business. So, and, and then obviously ten be- ten years later, uh, it's a whole new uh, once again biggest drawing card in the industry for a while. And they, oh, that's a great, great moment with DiBiase and Virgil. Yeah. And they're just following, they, they created a blueprint, they follow it. You know, Hogan has a best friend. You know, it started before Mr. Wonderful, he turns on him. They fight, Hogan prevails. Um, so I understand why they why they turn savage. And I think he got best case scenario out of that ridiculous Macho King idea on paper. Savage makes it work. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they went about as far with it as they could. And the savage turned back. After the retirement match is one of the greatest, again, another great classic program. All right. If you wanted so, to reinstate him, Rush, did you call that line? It was a 900 <laughs> line. Yeah, I did not. I did not. No, I didn't but, mean, uh, we weren't allowed to. Because I, um, I knew it didn't matter. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, uh, I remember people with picket signs, reinstate the macho man. Yeah, but I think those were all plants. Oh, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> those are really memorable uh Memorable skits. So what happens in this match is basically Hogan's matches had a formula. He'd come out and he'd come out really hot. You know, he'd come out to the big pop and then he'd usually take it to the heel for a little bit and like kind of clean them out. So when you're watching this, like he's doing everything he would normally do that would usually have a guy like a bigger guy like falling all over, but he can't move Andre. And that's the story of this match is that Andre is a completely different opponent than anyone else. Yeah, and uh, I mean WrestleMania three. I mean Hogan started off strong for like thirty seconds, and then Andre killed yeah. him for like. Well, he tries to six. slam. He tries to slam Andre, and he collapses. And then it, yeah, it was all Andre. But yeah, here Hogan with the advantage early on, steps the on Diaz's hand, and money flies. It's like what were they doing with the money in the corner? It's well, like trying to figure out how much they owe the referee, I guess. So according to Larkin, like the idea was yeah. that Ted had to live his gimmick outside the ring, so like. He got to stay in like the best hotels and got driven around in a limo all the time because the idea was he had to be the million dollar man outside of the ring if you wanted to make it believable. And he would, you know, the, the, the office would cover all those expenses. Yeah. Michael Allen Rubens noting that he's a parody of McMahon. Uh, I mean, that was a, a lot of the basis of the character. And when they filmed the lifestyles of the rich and famous, they actually filmed it at Vince McMahon's house and they had DiBiase in there. And uh, when Vince came up with the character, one of the people uh, that they were thinking about having in that role was Gino Hernandez, who I could I could easily see fantastic in that role, too. Yeah, well, it was well, the interesting is Gino Hernandez was a big heel in Texas. Andre getting a handful of. Well, (laughs) Frank and beans. Hogan goes up to the top rope, which at this point in his career, like what is Hogan doing at the top rope? But the problem was Andre had a lot of injuries and he didn't have the strength to kind of toss Hogan like that. You know, there's a story about the princess bride, the girl having to be on wires because he couldn't actually lift her up. Um, but Hogan went to the top so they could do that spot without have you know, that would make it easier for Andre to flip him over as opposed to Andre just, you know, like deadlifting him up. And Hogan took bits and pieces of when he became the, the biggest heel in the industry. Mm-hmm. Um, one of, of, of all time, he took pieces of everybody, right? He took pieces of, well, of, Gorgeous George. He took pieces of little Ventura. things that heels did. He, he, he just perfected in that role as a villain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, well, Hogan was a heel before he was a babyface. And also, and you can but see he like, was a very he, different heel when he turned yeah. it with the NWO. Uh, People talk about I mean, yeah, Cena. His character, his character, I don't know if Hogan owned the room as the heel. 
I mean, yeah. he was just so good. He was very different than when he was, uh, you know, before. I think he, when learned he was just a around. big, strong guy. Whereas he was, yeah, to your point, he was all these different. He was superstar Billy Graham and Jesse Ventura, and he combined all Gorgeous these different George. aspects. Yeah, he, yeah. Hulk knew his history. He was a great. Was I mean, he was. It's weird. He's one of the best heels of all time. Is also one of the best baby faces. Yeah. You wonder too, like speaking of Hogan DiBiase, which obviously is a critical piece of this feud. And they don't really have that payoff. Actually, they don't have that payoff pay-per-view match. Yeah. I guess yeah. SummerSlam would be the closest for the tag, but in terms of singles. Yeah. It's funny to think that DiBiase was one of the talking heads in the New World Order early on. Right. And one of the worst pairings was DiBiase and the Steiners. It just yeah. DiBiase was one of those guys, too. The Million Dollar Man was a perfect heel. He, they just could never find the right person else. to align him with in WCW. He didn't fit with the NWO uh, be- you know, he did he did well, give that aura that, of the ex WWF guy being aligned with him, but he didn't really add much to him. Well the Maybe story at least he, he could have worked, but I agree. He didn't yeah. Well, I think the story was that like the NWO would show up and they'd be doing all these skits and they'd be doing all this stuff and they'd be like, How are they affording to do all this stuff? And they would Ted the explanation and WC was like, Oh, Ted DiBiase was like kind of bankrolling all of their stuff. Oh, yeah, he, was billionaire, he was zillionaire Ted. Yeah. <laughs> It's strange if you, but they if, didn't if even need that in storyline. I know I mean, it was just no, it was they just didn't in time. In. <laughs> but Ted, like, you know, it's kind of funny because Ted was like a really, really successful babyface before coming to the WWF. He was like, you know, borderline NWA champion level babyface in the territories, and he really hadn't been a heel that much. And then he gets this character that's complete whole 180 of what he had been doing his entire career. And he's just such a natural at it. It's really impressive that he just fit this character so well. Cause like I said, it was an idea Vince had for himself. The, you know, he, as legend <laughs> has it, as legend has it, Ted didn't know what role he was going to have. He was just told they have a character for you. And it's the kind of character that Vince would have if he wanted to be a character himself. And that was the million dollar man. I love that when Andre's choking Hogan too, with the strap and <laughs> the ref breaks it up. And Andre's like, what, what are you talking about? I didn't do anything while the strap is still wrapped around his neck. DiBiase, <laughs> though, I don't think it can be overstated. If it's the honky-tonk man playing this role, it doesn't work. Like, DiBiase could, was brilliant right. in the ring. Yeah. And he could well, back up what he, that made it, to me, that was to make DiBiase, the character's awesome, but he could go, too. Yeah, yeah. Well, you could have given DiBiase a long run with the Intercontinental title. Now, you know, after this, after this thing with Hogan ran its course, yeah. and I, I think it would have kept that title relevant, and and it did stay relevant. Actually, the way they went with you know, uh, with Warren, yeah. yeah, rude, Warren. yeah. And DiBiase, well, I mean, I, it's more for us. DiBiase, the million dollar belt at the time was. It's hard to put it into words how cool that belt was, but. When you saw the million dollar belt, it was yeah, it was a it was a huge deal. Yeah. Uh, I know people we say now it's too bad Ted didn't have a run, and it would have been interesting had he won the belt at Mania. But um, yeah, Hogan going for the leg it. drop, Virgil grabbing the leg, and then the ref is distracted with Virgil. Hogan drops the leg and covers him, and this is where I'm like, what? Are they going to have Hogan lose? Because that would have, you know. So you thought at that point, you thought at that point that Hogan was was like maybe going to lose because of that spot. Yeah, because of that spot. Up until that point, I thought Hogan was winning for sure. Yeah. And now Andre coming from behind. This this is a very, in my opinion, it's an iconic finish. I always remember this: the the headbutts, 
and then turns it around into that weird suplex. Yeah, so he wouldn't have to take a back. Him. So it's so he wouldn't have to take a back bump. And here you go. And then it's a one, two, three. And so up, the, I didn't know as a fan at this point that the shoulder up meant that was the same as kick out. So I thought this was yeah. legit. And so uh, because I, I, I never, it work it, without never Jesse, Jesse celebrating everything. Everything is just so good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it wasn't ways, I think Vince said the shoulder was clearly up, and that's when it became clear. But yeah, this was just the shock in that arena. No music. Right. It's very, yeah, kind of like Brock versus Undertaker, but different. Yeah, well, you can see the crowds just standing, and they're just like, wait, what? Yeah. It's hard, like, it's hard for me to think that there's anything in wrestling that could get this kind of reaction now. Like, well, Taker and Brock did. Take your own bro. Yeah, you make all, wins and losses matter. Thing. It that can was the happen. Last thing to me, that like, I can't thing. imagine. Like, what is something they could do now that would be like anywhere close to this? Like, they've done stuff that's shocking, but it wasn't like like a match result. It wasn't like they do stuff shocking, and it's like usually shocking because like you just wouldn't expect something like that to happen because it's such like a crazy idea. As opposed mm-hmm. to this is a very calculated angle. Yeah, and Hogan selling it so well too. Yeah. And judgment saying, I was like, whoa, when I saw this live, I was glued to the seat TV. Same here. And they yeah, announced so, Andre as the champion. It's just. In Hogan's pre match interview, he's the belt changes mid show, right? Or the belt changes. There's still another the match that they didn't finish, but yeah, on the live record, on the live. No, the broadcast. title itself, Raj, in the Hogan mm-hmm. Mean Gene interview earlier, isn't he wearing the older belt? Or is he wearing oh, yeah. this? Yeah, that's right. Yes, yes, he was. And now we have Andre. He says, I surrender the WWF Tag Team Championship to Ted DiBiase. A little flub by Andre there, but Ted DiBiase Ted, now with the belt. Ted's face is so great. And he says, yes. what the hell is going on here? Biggest interview of Andre's career. He flubs his line, but <laughs> right. you know what? It doesn't matter. It's still perfect. Andre. I like how they didn't it's, even try, they don't even try to edit it on this version you I know. Know, to fix it. Just like, but it, it. Isn't it kind of more memorable that he flubs line now than if he just said, I'm giving the title to him? But that I'll was Andre. Like, anyway. Everything about him was the voice, <laughs> right. the movement, the arrogance, the demeanor. It's yeah, and I love the DBS. He puts the belt originally around the jacket. It's just such a such a incredible look. I mean, now in the Virgil background. Now in the background, you see the other referee coming in. So you got Dave and Earl Hebner. Just I have they ever been in the same ring at the same time on TV? No, after this, Ar- well, oh, after this, yeah. Uh, I don't know because Earl. This is like Earl's debut in the company, right? But I don't Vince think find, Vince finds a good story. He always repeats it, and you know they didn't do it here. It was, this yeah. was a, not even as a gag. They never redid it, or you right. know, because both of them worked for the company for a long time. Yeah, didn't they get? Didn't they? Was it was it a gambling thing? Why don't they both got fired at the same time together? But I forget. Supposedly why. they were selling bootleg merchandise. Merch- oh merchandise. yeah, that's right. And we haven't Earl's seen Earl a in AEW match in a while. What's that? We haven't seen Earl in AEW in a while. Yeah, I yeah, think they true. brought him in. Probably. I think they brought him in for more like a special event kind of thing. He's he's he in his seventies now. Yeah. And plus, I wonder with the COVID stuff, you know. Like, yeah. Even though they are bringing in Arn and Tully and a lot of those other guys, Jake. And. Then, <laughs> I like how they like start pushing each other. I'm Dave Hebner. No, I'm Dave Hebner. No, I I think he's like, you better get out of my face and get out of here. And then Earl just walks him. And that was a pretty good punch by Earl. Yeah. 
And I like that he falls over kicking him, him too. Yeah. Just kicks him thing, out of the ring. The funny thing is, like, Earl Hebner would go on to be, like, much more well-known. And so part of that I don't know why that means that he's the heel. Like, how, well, well, it's... Why does that a Hogan automatically yeah. know that he's the heel just by him beating up the other ref? Earl Hebner in the two biggest uh, referee storylines of all time. This one and the Montreal Screwjob. Yeah. Yeah. One real one worked. Yeah, yeah the Screwjob is, is a storyline. Um, I like how Ted DiBiase and Virgil come back to the ring to catch um, Dave Hebner here. And, like, and he like went over them. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't really. They don't really catch him. Hogan easily just bench presses him and just yeah. tosses him outside the ring. Oh, and then oh yeah, he, he yeah. Where is Andre over. during that? I guess he couldn't. Maybe he couldn't catch him there. Yeah, he just landed in front yeah. of Andre. Andre didn't even put his arms up because yeah, you know, to what Jesse was saying earlier, he didn't have his strength then. I'd have to ask Earl, but I wonder how how badly that hurt bump hurt. Then again, if DiBiase and Virgil get their hands on him, so it must help. But it right. still probably didn't feel good. Yeah, nah, that's a he good question them, like, to ask him. And if you're not like a bump taker, like yeah. maybe like adrenaline that. helped there, and he didn't feel it till later. I could see that, but it, it still must have hurt. I'm sure. Yeah, it's like the the bump that Drake Maverick took on NXT the other night or last night. Yeah, I haven't seen that yet. I well, I was thinking it looks. It reminded me of the Phoenix bump that he took like last month, where he did the tope and no one caught him, and he was just kind of short. He landed mm-hmm. like right on his hip. So now we got Strike Force and the Heart Foundation. Obviously, people watching this live do not care about this match at all. After yeah, it's the ultimate the <laughs> ultimate death spot. All right. So now we got Hogan crying in the back. Like, look at how much. That was one thing that I felt like always hurt Cena is that he never cared when he lost a match or lost a title. And if yeah, he, this if he cared, it would make the return match that much bigger. And that again, that's probably what he's told, but. Yeah, Cena's character like hit like a reset. It would be like a reset button each week that he would kind of react the same no matter what happened to him. And especially when he was feuding with like Bray Wyatt, it just never. He kind of like no sold the character. Hogan is selling a lot here in this promo. It's, it's just if you don't care if you win or lose, why should the fans? I'll just mention exactly, and I'll mention too. Of course, I know the screw job wasn't a storyline, but they turn it into one. I just meant that Hebner was a part of the two biggest. I, I know that wasn't a storyline. Um, unless who, who said it was, was it Kevin Nash or Sean Walton? <laughs> yeah. I, I know, but and to answer Amy's question, I looked, I couldn't find out. There's a couple old school WWE refs that are WWF refs, we're gonna call, um, that I haven't been able to locate. So, um, it's kind of stopped, it stopped me for the last week. Yeah, Hogan saying, So, the hundred dollar bill is falling out yeah. of his pocket, man. Well, Hogan mentioned you pay for the plastic surgery, yeah, such a great Hogan promo. mentions the plastic surgery, which is uh, a pretty crazy storyline. Yeah. And also, like, if as it were to be the case, what a great plastic surgeon that guy was. Oh, no kidding. In the 80s? And this always, it always bugged me that they never followed up with the story of the ref thing on TV. It was just, mm-hmm. they just left yeah. it here. That was because it's not really it. about the refs. Yeah, it's about, you know, there should be some sort of like saying that ref will never work here again. You know, Jack Tunney saying, you know, just something, some sort of closure on that. Yeah. And so there it ended. And the match goes, but the, you, they stay with it on this broadcast. Um, when it was live, they, we didn't see this part, but we actually see the finish. Uh, there it goes. The strike Force. That I was a that was really a short Raw, an old school Raw. Terrible connection, but uh, Undertaker and Damian Demento and Vince had just ended this match next week, and we're still witnessing the end of it. So. Damn it, Vince. <laughs> I bet you Undertaker won. <laughs> just a uh, hunch. Didn't he, he wrestled Damian Demento on the first Monday Night Raw, right? 
Yeah, that's probably like the first, them again. Then the first main Max event. Moon, Max Moon was on that show. Shawn Michaels who's supposed to be Conan. So, I do have a Raw twenty five. Oh, Raw twenty five, Jesse. I, I think that was one, one of my biggest yeah. disappointments. Just Shawn finish Michaels, the match. Well, but Shawn should have cut a promo that like said I grew up on the show. I my low points have been here. My high points have been here. I like to me that's the promo you need to hear, especially in the Manhattan Center. Like from Sean about growing up. I know he had the moment in the ring with the click and they, they brought Balor in. Like that's a moment that's to me, that should have been one of Sean's like signature pro- promos. I don't know why he didn't get the chance to do it. They hardly did anything in the Batman center. I didn't get why they, you know, how hard it was to at least do stuff for, you have so many people. You could have matches in the crowd and not televise those or go back and forth sure. or just do it from the Manhattan center. And I was, I was there Raj mm-hmm. and uh, it was funny. It started, um, I didn't know he broke his collarbone. It's interesting. Yeah, I remembered when I saw it. When I saw the bump, I was like, "That sounds familiar." I think one of them he got like actually injured because he just like flew through the air. Yeah, thanks to Rock Michael Sachs. Oh, sorry. Was, second, oh, oh, sorry. Uh, go ahead, Justin. It was ele- it was electric, and then it was like people were like, "Oh, when are we going to get the?" We watched the Austin segment, which was which was brilliant, right? Perfect to open the show. We watched it on the screen, and then it was just like, "When are we going to? What's going to happen here?" And then just, I mean, you you took the hottest crowd imaginable. And just like stomp the life out of us. It was a tough night. I mean, tricky night. That that should have been a, a much more fun night. Yeah. Did you go to that? Yeah. So you, were you? You were in the Manhattan Center. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Like, so like one of the things with these Raws that I've I've heard it. The theory is like they work so hard to bring back like every single person they can think of. And then they have to write them all into the show. So there's always like that one backstage segment with like 20 random people when they should maybe just like do like three people and then you could give them meaningful segments as opposed to like, we got to, you know, we got to get Undertaker. We got to get Austin. We got to get Shawn Michaels. We got to get Triple H. We got to get the entire click. We got to get John Cena. You know, they got to get all these people into the show as opposed to like, you know, they have enough of these raw reunions, old school raws, anniversary raws, all this stuff to kind of like, it'd be almost be like less is more. Yeah. I mean, and they kind of did that with the Fox premiere, right? Originally there was going to be a, a ton of people. And by the end it was, it was just, the rock and it that was more effective that way yeah michael Sachs jr just asking how is everyone doing great show guys thank you michael appreciate it and i never i always want to say this and then at the end you know we, we plug coming upcoming stories and then i never want to uh speak over jesse when he says goodbye but like the people who've watched and, and it's been a lot of the same same faces but some new ones too like to me the internet's the wild west the fact that people want to come on and watch these shows and we're talking over anyways um, but it's 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 so much fun, and I, I hope we do our best to include the chat and uh, recommendations I got. Somebody asked me earlier that promo with Bobby Heenan. Like, it's just fun stuff that I can watch after, too. So to me, one of the most fun parts has been kind of interacting not only with Raj and Jesse, but also with you guys. So thank you very much. for it. it's, it's been so much fun. Absolutely. Even some really things I don't know, guys. looking up refs, and it's it's been good to uh, – it's just been a fun process these past couple of weeks. I have really enjoyed it, and I – you know, hopefully we'll uh, be able to do it again soon. Uh, we'll see when things I slow have. down. If things slow down, hopefully in the winter, uh, uh, or maybe even before. We'll, we'll, yeah, I have some see. trivia for us. Oh, I'm not sure. right. So I have right. two questions. One I think you guys will get. The other one will be more challenging. But so there were five of these main events. They did one a year, basically around the same time each year. You know, Friday night primetime specials. This is the big one, obviously, and they got kind of progressively not as successful yeah so what was the what was the main event of the second one oh that uh 
Hercules Twin Towers? And, <laughs> if you're counting last match, it was the Hercules I'm counting, like, what's the most significant match? Hogan and Savage versus Twin Towers. Yeah. Okay, right. So what was the main event of the final one? I think I know this. I think so, too. That was the one on Fox, right? It's nice that we're ending the way we start, too, with Sid Justice and Red Tights. Jesse, if that's what you're thinking, it's brilliant. It, it's perfect. Is that the... Am I wrong? I think, I think that's fourth. No, yeah, uh, it's not the final. Oh, you're right. It was uh, it's Bret Hart. It's Bret, Bret Hart, and Sean, Sean, right? Yeah, that's that not Bret the one Sean. I have. I have the main event five from 1991, Macon, Georgia. The two most significant matches. I'll take either one example. Is there's Hulk Hogan and Tugboat defeat Earthquake and Dino Bravo. All yeah, right, and then. Jim Duggan defeats Sergeant Slaughter by DQ. Slaughter was the champion at that time. One of his few title defense. It's probably his only televised title defense. What about uh, that that I, Hogan Hogan uh, Sid Flair Taker match? That that was that was that, Jake. Yeah, and, that was the next year. Savage. Are you yeah. sure that was the main event? Yeah. Yeah, that was the one where Sid turned on Hogan, left him in the the tag match. Mm-hmm. So, and I believe that's the end of so, Savage. Savage. That's the that's the end of Savage and. Uh, is that the night that take Savage your- and Jake? Yeah. 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 So that would have been WrestleMania eight. And then the one you mentioned. Yeah. So that, that would have been the last one because the WrestleMania seven would have been the year before. I barely remember the, the main event before WrestleMania seven, the one you mentioned. So yeah, there was, there was one more. So because the one you mentioned, the- Jesse, that would be main event three. The one I have, I have this as main event or four. Five. Yeah. Five. It should be four. I think they got it wrong. Cause so main Hogan event is Andre, three. So, so, Hogan so, so, and Andre so, so, is one. Uh, Mega Powers and Twin Towers is two. Yeah. Uh, Hogan versus Savage is three. Yeah. With uh, James Buster Douglas. So that was uh, yeah. It was supposed to be WrestleMania type. six. WrestleMania seven. That would have been Hogan and and uh, the one you mentioned with Sergeant Slaughter. And then five no, would have been the main event four. The main event four is from October nineteen ninety. And it is the Ultimate Warrior defeats Ted DiBiase by disqualification. And they also had Mr. Perfect versus Big Boss Man and Rick Martel versus Tito Santana. Oh, so they had a random one. Because usually yeah. it was on it's the way to WrestleMania. One, they had two in 1990. Oh, okay. And then the, the last and final one, January 28th, 1991, aired February 1st, 1991. Hogan in Tugboat defeats Earthquake and Dina Bravo. I think when Hogan said, whenever Hogan called Tugboat Tugger was pretty funny. Um, Wait, okay, so, Bulldog. That that's the that's the title match we're thinking of, and that's the one where Bulldog loses the drops the belt under under kind of just yes. to me that was a big surprise. So what was the Sid, what was the Sid match you were thinking of? Sid versus who? Hogan. So that Sid. would be this one, right? Oh no, this was no. This is before the Survivor Series. In right. uh, this was another October one. Has to be right. What, yeah, what is the match? It's it's Sid and Hogan. It's Sid versus... and Hogan against Ric Flair and Undertaker. Just Google Which, Sid hear, hear that out. hear that it. out loud. It's like holy crap, that is uh yeah. that's some star power. All right, let's see here. Ba, ba, ba. A bunch of matches from nineteen ninety five. And that would have been ninety two. Jesse, just look up Sid Red Tights. It'll it'll <laughs> it comes up. I'm looking for the television show. Well we know it's it's pre WrestleMania eight because it, 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 it really builds to Hogan's yeah. right. So it's yeah, Bruce, March two and ninety one February two and ninety two. Then it died it's a couple a months death. before WrestleMania 8. We know that. Yeah. Yeah, that was the, the big angle was Sid turning on Hogan. And that might also have Piper Mountie with Shockproof. 
Okay, I've got that was a Saturday night. It was a Saturday night's main event. Hulk Hogan and Sid Justice defeat Ric Flair and The Undertaker. They got that wrong. That was a main event. That was definitely sure. a main event. Yeah. It was definitely a main event. Um, 127. Jesse, is that Piper Mountie too? Ba, 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 ba. Um yes. I thought it was funny, so I love that that Piper so Mountie. It does say it does say it's on Fox. From and it aired on February eighth, nineteen ninety two. This season of Dark Side, you know, they did the After Dark show, and I, I like the guy. I don't know him, but I like the guy who, who hosted that show. And uh, when he had he had Jacques Rougeau on, and uh, who were they talking? About? Maybe they were talking about Dino Bravo. And he and he asked him after the show. He goes, "I gotta get off topic and ask you a question." I thought that was the, the, the silliest, dumbest angle. Uh, the shockproof jacket the Piper was wearing, and Rougeau goes, "That was my idea." Um, but he, he was a good sport about it, and I, I loved it at the time. I mean, I, I'm sure it, at 37, I feel differently about it than I felt at, at, at 10. But uh, yeah, at the time, it was great. Yeah, it it, it definitely worked for its time. Yeah. All right. What's, so, what uh, was the last one? The uh, the the Sean Bulldog one was the last one. So, according to the WWE Network, the last main event, the one they have categories under the main event is the main event five. That's the slaughter in Duggan versus in Hogan and earth and tugboat versus earthquake. And, um, uh, what's his name? Forgot his name already. Earthquake and Dino Bravo. And then the Saturday night's main event, you're guys thinking of from February 8th, 1992 with Sid and, and Hogan. That's it's on the WWE network. At least it's labeled as Saturday night's main event. So maybe, yeah, if that was on Fox, maybe that was on primetime on Fox. And that's why I'm thinking it was Friday because it, it was probably primetime. It did an 8.2. That helps you at all. So it must have been primetime because I remember that was a primetime show. and But yeah, when they moved to Fox. So I could see that being, yeah. Because I remember they had that one year on Fox and then then they had some, they had a WrestleMania Fox. special on Fox and then it just kind of went downhill. Well, Fox was a fledgling fledgling network at that point. It was kind of like this new network television, and I think I don't, I don't know when they got the it had, NFL. It had married with children, Jesse. So I mean, it had it had some. I'm sure. Well, when did, when and did the Fox... Simpsons? Yeah, yeah, Simpsons, yeah. Yeah, I mean, but it was when like there was a good article a few years ago about like how when Fox got the NFL deal, like right. the like that made the Fox network. Well, that was when uh, NBC decided to get into bed with WWF with the XFL. Was that uh, Fox in that Did NFL? Fox, Fox didn't have the NFL till the late nineties. I don't think so. But, 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 okay, we can double check. But what's the ahead. what's the next trivia question? That was it. Those are the ones I have. Unless you guys want to come up. With no. One. Let's see here. That's that was kind uh, of an open ended one. Bruce, throw us one. <laughs> what is the most watched wrestling event in the history of the business? <laughs> it's, I'd like oh. to think of a good savage question. DiBiase Savage connect during his coronation. He's part of the great team. All the all the, all the bad guys. Fox got the NFL in August of 1994. It's the first time Fox NFL on Fox had. So it must yeah. So I guess they just lost the NFL deal, NBC, and then because that, that was why they decided to go with the XFL because they didn't renew with. Uh... That was a bad choice. <laughs> He's Rock and Living Glove and those shows in a long time. Um, here's a trivia for you: Who was? Uh... Bryce Russo, thank you so much. Hi, Rod, Justin, Justin, hope all is well. Always enjoy tuning in. I appreciate you guys doing live streams. Hope you and your family stay safe and healthy through this pandemic. You too, my friend. Likewise, Bryce. Here's the trivia question for you, Bryce. Which team 
Which major league team did Randy Savage uh, was he was he property of when he played major when he played when he played pro baseball? I know this. Go ahead, Jess. He was he played four years for the St. Louis Cardinals in the minor leagues. He was drafted right out of high school out of oh the high schools right outside of Chicago, Illinois. I know what it is too. Ooh, he was a catcher. He was a catcher, and he had a shoulder injury, which derailed his MLB career. Here's a good one. Uh, and, yeah, Savage was wrestling as the spider during that time. And he would later resume that role in, in uh, right. Spider-Man. Someone's asking what your shirt says. Amy's oh, asking. so thank you for asking because it's maybe a Mark shirt. I don't know if I can probably wear it. So this is my favorite match. Probably my favorite wrestling match of all time is Toshiaki Kawada versus Mitsuharu Misawa from June 3rd, 1994, which took place one day after I was born. So I like to think that as soon as I came into the world, they had a great wrestling match, but I got this like off like Etsy. And I don't know if you guys can read it properly. It's kind of hard, but it's basically just like a poster for, it says the date 1994, June 3rd. And it says Kawada versus Misawa live at Budokan hall, Tokyo, Japan. Um, all I can say is that it's a, a super Mark shirt and I got it for my birthday and I'm very happy about it. <laughs> Here's a good trivia question from James Ooh. Watts. What six guys have main evented Mania as both a heel and a face? Okay. I can think of three right off the bat. Me, with... are, we counting, are we counting Hogan? Hogan? Well, Hogan technically that. wasn't it's the not, main event. It's not always that clean. Let me, think. Let me think for a second. Savage. I got to remember what the main events are. Yeah, Savage 4 and 5. Yeah. Uh, Randy Orton, probably? Well, Brock, right? I guess Brock is he was he t- I he's, guess he's always in that he's the baby face at WrestleMania 19 and I think he's, def- he's definitely a heel like when he wrestled but reigns and Roman. stuff yeah yeah yes. so Brock at least um Rock would have again if you counted Rock, Rock versus a, Hogan then no, well Rock is a heel in uh, the first one WrestleMania 15 yeah but then I don't think he was in the main event again. Yeah, he was. He was in the main event of WrestleMania uh, 2000. Austin was the babyface in Boston. And the, uh, he turned Austin, heel. Yeah, but I wouldn't say I wouldn't call right. him the heel. Um, so what is that? That's Brock. That's Savage. That's uh, The Rock. That's are we counting Brock? Maybe counting Hogan. Yeah, Brock, Rock, Hogan, Savage. Well, we didn't count Hogan. No. No, no, no. Yeah, so we're not counting Hogan. Um. Edge? No, Edge, Edge was never a babyface. In the main event? Triple H? Yes, because Triple H is the... In WrestleMania 18 against Jericho, he's the babyface in that. Oh, right. And then, yeah, he's I don't, he's definitely main evented as a heel. Um, Shawn Michaels? Michaels, yep, because he's he a babyface in 96 and a heel in 98. Um, yeah. Also, that, Michaels, Mike, Michaels main events, what, WrestleMania 20... I wouldn't call him a heel at MSG, but right. right. But th- that one where he, him, Benoit, and Triple H and the Triple Threat, he was definitely a that's face funny. in that one. And, uh, so that's next. So James, the, that's five. James Potts. So no, we got Brock. We've got The Rock. We've got Triple H. We've got Randy Savage. We've got Shawn Michaels. And the last one is, is Kurt Angle. No, Kurt Angle was a heel in both his. Because Kurt Angle is never a baby face in the main event, right? He only um, made it. Kurt only made it one main one yeah, meeting. That was uh, just the one. Yeah. Um, I think Cena versus one more. Batista, Batista, right? He's the main event at twenty. No, well, he wasn't the main event at twenty. Nobody was the main. Oh event yeah, 30. yeah, he was the heel. Event the, 30, he's yeah, a heel, Batista. And he yeah. was a baby face at twenty-one in the main event. Good call. Good call. Hey, we got six. 
But finally, some, some more than that are open to trivia I could contribute yeah. to. Yeah, if you count Rock versus Hogan as a, a main event, which oh, it yeah, should have been. Oh, yeah, some of them are hard to, like, you can make but, an argument. Right, whatever match went on last, pretty yeah. much. Yeah, that's the other thing is that the main events. Like, I'm thinking of, like, oh, yeah, Batista and Cena main event at WrestleMania 26. No, they didn't. It was Undertaker yeah. versus Shawn Michaels. Yeah. How many main I'm trying to think. How many WrestleMania's the Undertaker actually main event? Sid was his first one. 13. Sid? Which HBK just the one year, right? Yeah, it 13, wasn't... 26, and then against Edge. Was and that then, last? Uh, it wasn't last. Yeah, it wasn't. Him versus Edge, I think, was the last at WrestleMania 24. I thought it was, Raj. But I... Was it? Okay. And that was the right call because that's the best match on that show. That's a really good match. Uh, yeah. huh. I think it's kind of Baker has a couple really good. Like, Orton was a very good match. Outstanding. Yeah, 21. I match. thought that was the best Randy Orton match for a long time. Maybe not. Yeah, I, I thought. Orton, I, I, Jesse, no particular order. I think 21, 30, 31, and what we just saw are Orton's probably best four matches. Those were all really good. Twenty one's great. Um, Thirty, I, I, it's a triple threat, but I like that well, match. Thirty one with seven. I think Orton is like an underachiever when it comes to like having really good matches, despite how talented he is. I would say his match. Uh, two ones I really like are his match at uh, was it's Backlash two thousand four against uh, Mick Foley. That yeah. one's really good, and then he has a really good one against Shawn Michaels at Survivor Series. I believe it's at Survivor Series two thousand seven, where the gimmick was like Shawn Michaels couldn't use the super kick. And that was just a really good angle of Sean trying to win without using the super kick. And there's like excellent storytelling in that. Those are the two like big Randy Orton matches. He never really had good matches with Cena, you know. And you know, t- Taker also had a really good match with Flair. And when Flair was, you know, uh, oh, that's that's guys. seventeen, I think, yeah, right? That's seventeen. And that's one of the we. I mean, you can. It's funny. I, I listened to your interview with Flair. Oh yeah, you're eighteen. Sure you're there right. was ever a time in Rick's career when he went into a match confident. But that's one of those matches Rick's like, I just had no confidence. Like, yeah. oh, it's one of the best matches of his career, but uh, kind awesome. of classic flair. Yeah, hey, we, we, the, we, we stumped the guy who got the, who sent us the question. It was James Potts saying he, he was counting Austin, but since Austin's an asterisk, but yeah, Batista, I didn't think of that. So Batista. Batista had a weird, kind of a weird career. Because he was he was in the main event of WrestleMania 21, kind of positioned as being like the guy, like he's going to be on Raw, and they... I don't know if it, what the plans were, but they switch him. Cena becomes basically what... Well, Cena was getting so over at that point. He was, I mean, it was the right call. Yeah. And then Batista goes to SmackDown, and then he gets you know he gets hurt. He kind of like loses some momentum. He can't stay healthy for that long. Um, he, he has that great heel run at the end of his like full-time run where he was just an awesome heel. Um, I thought you know him versus Cena was kind of a tired storyline, but he's so good as his heel. He has the famous goodbye promo where he quits and he's sitting in the wheelchair and then he comes back and he's a baby face and it just, and he, it's really funny to hear him talk about it. Cause he t- says that like, he just, he didn't want to come back as a baby face. He don't want it to be a heel. He thought they were going to crap on him as a baby face. And he was, you know, he was super right. And, he, and then he turns a heel and he's awesome. Like Batista, when he was like that last real run where they reform evolution and stuff, he's so good in it. And I think he's someone that, as a kid, like I was a kid when Batista was around, I didn't really like him. Uh, I just thought he was just like this big, you know, gassed up muscle head guy. But, you know, when he got, when I got older and he became a heel again, I really appreciate it. He's a very, very talented guy. What a missed opportunity that run was. You have, to me, the triple threat match, you have to go out of mania out of 30 and you need to work Brian with Orton and he's got to, he's got to make him tap. And he's got to work Batista before he leaves the company and mm-hmm. make him. And they go to Kane, and 
Yeah, know, he should have Batista. Brian versus Batista would have been money. Yeah, Brian versus Orton, both those matches. But it seemed like they didn't want to go in that direction for either of them. And, and Batista wasn't there much longer anyway. Even yeah. though, you know, that Evolution versus Shield match was awesome. Well, yeah. it goes back to all this is that Brian got the title. And the goal was he was just going to hold the title and he was going to get squashed by Brock at SummerSlam, right? The role that Cena ended up filling. And then the idea was that Roman Reigns would beat Brock at the following WrestleMania. So you do like turn Brock into an unstoppable champion by squashing Brian and then Reigns eventually gets the title. And so what happened to Evolution after WrestleMania 30? They feud with the Shield because it's about getting Roman over and it's about getting those guys over. And it wasn't about Brian, even though he won the title. It was never about. It was never about You're Brian, right. even when I traded him. So yeah, rarely was it ever. Yeah, my I'm, mouse is on the fritz. <laughs> uh, it's, some stuff is going on now, guys. I'm sure you guys have been hearing. Um, so probably got to wrap this up here. I need to get on this. Um, but yeah, but sad day in wrestling. Uh, but I mean, obviously, it's great that people are using their voice and. I mean, for me, it's just been a lot of listening. But obviously, I love wrestling, love covering independent wrestling, and to see all the heartbreak and angst and, and pain, it's it's been a difficult day. Um, you know, for all of us who love wrestling, you hope the, hope the profession, the industry, it's it gets people people look better to one another. I mean, it's some of this stuff's really ugly. Yeah, right now, uh, WWE issued a statement on Jordan Devlin uh, saying they take the allegation of this nature very seriously and they're looking into it. A lot more out there. We're, you know, got to wait till we hear back from WWE. But, um, yeah, keep checking out Wrestling Inc. What do you got coming up on us at Sports Illustrated? There'll be a piece tomorrow. Uh, it'll be a feature with Matt Riddle looking at his SmackDown debut. I think that Matt, you know, covering him on the independents pretty much since the beginning of his journey into wrestling, uh, he's got the potential to be the next breakout star for WWE. Um, I hope. I think a lot of it's in the debut. How how is he positioned tomorrow on SmackDown? What does that look like? Um, how realistic does it look? How authentic? How legitimate? Because Riddle's silly and goofy and fun, but but he's also a badass. So I think mm-hmm. I, I hope they 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 make the most of his his run. I think he's a guy that could absolutely um, main event the WrestleMania and, and and be a face of the company. Uh, we'll see. But I, I, you know that's part of the fun in wrestling. It's not like he's the best player in the league or. He's the point guard of this team, and he's, they're just operating on all cylinders. You know, wrestling, a lot of it's subjective, too. Can, can he connect with this audience at large? And can he connect with people behind the scenes in WWE? So I think it's going to be very interesting. So we'll explore that on SI.com on Matt Riddle tomorrow. Awesome. Yeah, Matt Riddle's, I think, the nicest wrestler I've ever met. And I've had a fortunate, good experiences with most wrestlers I talk to, but Matt, like, just like I had a really spontaneous interaction with him. I was just in a parking lot, basically, in between two shows, and he was on, and he just came out, and like I was just, I, I was, I don't like to bother the guys, so I was just kind of standing around, and he came up to me, he's like, oh hey man, how's it going? Like, do you like the show? And then he talked to like this like eight year old girl, and like told her to follow her, her her dreams, and it was just like he's a really genuine person. Just don't make him mad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, uh, Jesse, what do you got coming up? Uh, like I alluded to this earlier, um, I got an article. Kind of, it's kind of looking at the end of the AWA and like, kind of looking at Vern Gagne and like, kind of what, how how the AWA functioned at the end and kind of one of the things that led to its downfall and kind of comparing it to Vince. And basically, the lesson is is that even if you're really successful as a promoter, no one stays successful forever. Everyone gets old. Everyone loses touch. And uh, 
this is something that you can look at from history and see it's kind of repeating itself in some ways with Vince. So that's what I'm writing about. Jesse, AWA, great. Not the best wrestling figures because the bodies were all the same. You can take the heads off and switch them. <laughs> Props were really cool. Like Flair had a robe. Um, their figures were – If I, Roger's around that age too. Do you ever collect the AWA ones? I didn't, no. I wasn't uh, – uh, yeah. yeah, I got into WWF, and it wasn't until like – a year or two later, yeah. I got into NWA, yeah. and AWA I mean, was almost dead. Yeah, AWA yeah. was like is is pretty much gone from like 1986. I would say is like the last year they're like a real viable thing, and then they go into kind of like the era where they're taping from warehouses, and they have a few so shows here moment. and there. But I mean, you look at the one of the things about the AWA is like even during that kind of like dead period where they were kind of going in business, they had a ton of young talent coming through a lot of people who would end up having a lot of success in other places, but the pieces Vern at that point, the creative pieces, they just weren't there to turn those guys into stars. And he kept relying on, you know, the Nick Bockwinkles and the, the crusher and all these guys who were big draws 20 years ago, but never built new stars and the, never got the young guys over and this bit ended up going out of business. So uh, that'll be up tomorrow morning on wrestling Inc. Um, that's all we got. Like I said, this is kind of our season finale. We're not going to be back next week, but we really appreciate everyone that's, that's listened to us, whether you're watching live, whether you're on the podcast, whether you're watching on YouTube. Um, we really appreciate everyone helping out. We appreciate everyone who's been uh, uh, in the chat contributing uh, Bruce. Bruce has been like our fourth host. He's been digging up all sorts of nuggets the entire time we can always count on him when we have a question. Um, I want to thank Raj a lot for giving me this opportunity to kind of host and get my feet wet in this end. But uh, like I said, we really appreciate everyone helping out um, and, and contributing just by listening. So really appreciate that. And we'll hope to see you guys again sometime down the road. And uh, thanks a lot. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park